Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Praise the Lord, everyone. Unless you've been in a cave the last few weeks at the Life Church, you may have no clue what's happening today, but today is Transition Sunday. And what this means is I am stepping down as senior pastor of the Life Church. I'm resigning right now on the spot. Not because I'm angry, mad, upset, or somebody fired me, but the Lord has dealt with me about this decision for a long time. Do you remember when we started Finishing Strong in March of 2019? Well, it was more than just a capital stewardship campaign. The Lord spoke to me and said, it's time for you to set your house in order, make sure the church is ready for the future, and I want you and your wife to finish strong. And so we trust that we are doing that, that we have done that, and I hope that you will understand that we are not retiring. You cannot retire a call. (laughs) We're going to be preaching. We're going to be teaching. We're going to be here. We're not going anywhere. But if you were here last Sunday, you know that there's a generational blessing that is now being passed to Pastor Justin, Sister Anna, and to their generation and all of you. And so we're very excited about the future. And uh, I want to say that we're going to uh, celebrate in April. April 15 and 16 will be a special weekend, a Saturday and Sunday for our church. And we have some special guests coming in. Our district superintendent, Brian Parkey, will be here. That Sunday will be an official installation of our new lead pastor, Justin and Anna Gleason, but, and then on Saturday we'll be sort of, you know, that'll be old people's day where we'll reminisce and, and talk about the good old days, but it's going to be great. And how many feel good about the future of the life church? Huh? You feel good about the future of the life church? The Elisha generation is rising and we're excited about the future. On behalf of my wife and I, I want to say thank you for voting in a broken down preacher at the age of 31, I was ready to quit, give up, throw in the towel. But the Lord was faithful and we came here on a prophetic word. And with a, my district superintendent, Brother Stanley Chambers, if you knew him, Brother Stanley Chambers, He called me and said, Brother Gleason, you've been voted in on a strong vote. I said, what was the vote, Bishop? He said, it was strong. I said, what was the vote, Bishop? He said, 71%. I said, well, that doesn't sound very strong to me. I said, would you let me come and talk to the church on Wednesday and then have a vote of confidence? There was a long pause, and then I could hear him go, He said, do you want this church or not? 
I said, well, since you put it that way, tell my new congregation their pastor will be there Wednesday night. And the rest is history. <laughs> That's probably the best vote I ever got. But thank you for taking a chance on us. We were just kids when we got here for believing in us. And what a wonderful journey it has been for the queen and I. So we want to thank you for loving us, praying for us, getting behind us, helping us to do something that only 5% of the churches in America ever do. And that is breakthrough 350 on a Sunday attendance. Can we shout and give God the glory for that? We give him the praise. We give him the glory. So on the occasion of Transition Sunday, we are very, very blessed to have with us none other than our own general superintendent and his wife, David and Connie Bernard. And several months ago, when we began to plan this service, actually almost a year ago now, I really felt strongly that the Lord had spoke to me that Brother Bernard should be here. I know he's not been here annually. In fact, it's been over 10 years since the last time he preached to our congregation. He's been back and forth for other events. But I've learned to love and esteem and appreciate our general superintendent so very much. And I'm going to tell you, I've served under two other previous administrations of UPCI and the general board, and I loved his predecessors. But I can tell you that Brother Bernard, without question, is the greatest benevolent, godly Christian leader I have ever been around. Some people, the closer you get to them, you get a little bit disappointed. But the closer that I've got to Brother Bernard, the more I love, the more I see, the more I appreciate. And we thank God for his leadership in our organization. For all of you licensed ministers that are here today, we are blessed to have him as our bishop. And would you welcome with me right now, David and Connie Bernard, as they come to minister. Let's give them a life church welcome right now, shall we? It's such a wonderful occasion, but it is a special occasion. I do want to say we appreciate the Life Church. You are a leading church in Missouri, and not just Missouri, but for our whole fellowship. Your giving, your prayers, your ministerial support, the people you send out to labor, uh, the participation in our di district events, general events. You are a key church for the United Pentecostal Church International. And uh, your pastor, senior pastor, who just resigned, uh, Pastor Stan Gleason, Sister Marlene Gleason. He's the Assistant General Superintendent of the Western Zone. And we've worked very closely over the last uh, dozen years or so. And I can tell you he is uh, a strong leader. He's a loyal friend and supporter. Not a yes man, but someone who's going to be honest and straight, but yet kind and compassionate and, and supportive. And so that's a rare combination. And I know in a transition, sometimes it's bittersweet. And there's sometimes you kind of wonder what's the future going to hold. But you're doing this the right way. You've done it with prayer, with engagement. You've elected the new pastor. And so let me just say, all change is a little scary. All change has uncertainty. But when you're in God's hands, it's going to be just fine. And... Uh, Pastor Gleason isn't going anywhere. We'll still call him pastor or bishop or whatever the case may be. But Pastor Justin and Sister Anna 
They're not novices. He's 40 years old. That's a lot older than when his dad came here. So we can expect a lot more productivity <laughs> right from the start. He won't be able to tell those stories. Uh, I just was, uh, you know, a young, broken down, not incompetent preacher. He's going to have to be, we have high expectations right from the start. Uh, so it's exciting. But I do want to say you're part of the United Pentecostal Church International. Our mission is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. And thanks to churches just like your church and the pastors just like your pastors, we have churches or at least contacts and Bible studies in 199 out of 210 nations of the world. Praise God plus 39 territories, 238 nations and territories, over 43,000 churches, daughter works, and preaching points, 5.3 million constituents. Here in the United States and Canada, we estimated through our surveys, about 65,000 people were baptized in Jesus' name and or received the gift of the Holy Ghost through the ministry of the United Pentecostal Church. You are part of that, that's you. And I could tell many testimonies. I'll just share a couple of wonderful events. I was in Cuba last year for a unity conference. Uh, Cuba's a communist country and it's been very difficult to work there. But I preached in a sanctuary of a new, brand new building, one of the best churches in Havana outside the historic Catholic churches. 500 seat auditorium was packed. That night we had 75 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 25 healings, including a little boy with a visibly broken arm that was instantly healed. And the good news is that building was provided free. A group, a group of Korean evangelicals wanted to have a building for seminars. They can't, couldn't own a building in Cuba because of the governmental restrictions. So they approached our apostolic pastor and said, we will build you a church, give it to you, and put it in your name if we, you'll let us use it for our seminar several times a year. So we have a new 500-seat apostolic church in Havana. Also in December, I preached in Fiji. It's an island nation of a little over a million people. We have 12,000 constituents, over 1% of the population is part of the United Pentecostal Church International. And I preached, there were 4,000 in attendance. The church is 50 years old. I've had the Holy Ghost about 60 years, so I had the Holy Ghost longer than everybody in that whole auditorium. They all came in, were baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost in the last 50 years. In that conference, 193 received the Holy Ghost. 25 miraculous healings. One blind lady, one deaf lady right there in front of our eyes was healed. Well, that's just a sampling of what God is doing. Aren't you glad to be part of the work of God? Let's continue our worship. I'll be reading from Joshua, the first chapter. Joshua chapter one, verse six. Now I'm gonna be preaching to all of you, but I am going to be preaching to Pastor Justin, Sister Anna. But let me just say this, we respect our leaders, but our leaders are not dictators. Uh, only Jesus Christ is our Lord. And so our shepherds are under shepherds who serve under the chief shepherd. But when we honor our pastor, which is the right thing to do, 
really in a great measure we're honoring him because he represents the church. So when I say the pastor needs to lead or needs to do this or that, I'm really saying the whole church needs to unite to do this or that. So the pastor is kind of like the, the representative or the symbol the one that God looks to to be accountable, the one that God, to whom God gives vision. But really, we depend on the entire leadership team, the entire ministerial team, and all the faithful saints of God who come to church, who worship, who pray, who give. And so if I say, you as the pastor need to do such and such, I'm really saying, you as the whole church need to do such and such because we work as one body. Amen. So with that in mind, uh, while you're standing, Joshua 1.6 says this, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So I'm preaching today, moving forward in the will of God. Moving forward in the will of God. You may be seated. So if you take a look at Joshua, those of you that know the scripture know that Moses was the leader who led the people of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness into the, to the very border of the promised land. But Moses, it was a time for transition. God began to speak to him. God showed him who the successor would be. And so you find in Deuteronomy 31 where Moses told Joshua this same message. He said, be strong and of a good courage. It's interesting to me that when God speaks to the new leader, Joshua, really he speaks what's already been spoken. So when there is a transition, when there is a change, when there is a new direction, if you look carefully, you'll see that God has prepared the way. It may seem sudden, it may seem new, it may seem drastic, but actually God has been speaking, acting, and working for months and years to bring us to this point. And so even before God spoke to Joshua, God had spoken through Moses to Joshua already. But there was a definite time of transition. Now it was time to step across the Jordan River into the promised land. So if you read verses one and two, you see the transition from Moses to Joshua. And then God begins to speak to Joshua. The thing about it is God has already spoken but we need a fresh word, a new word. We need a word today. We need to hear from God directly for ourselves for this hour, for this day. And so if you'll read the word that God began to speak, verses three, four, and five, he starts with promises. Isn't that wonderful? God's grace always gives before it requires. God has some expectations, even some commandments. But the wonderful thing about it is before God says, here's what I want you to do, God says, here's what I, I'm going to do for you. Here's what I've already done for you. Whatever I ask you to do, I will prepare the way. I will supply the needs in advance. I will take care of you. In other words, God's commands are God's enablings. When God says, I want you to do this, he also says, I give you the power to do it. And so God's promises always come first. That's wonderful. When we come to God and we repent of our sins, he doesn't demand a checklist of things we got to do before he'll forgive us or before he'll give us, receive, give us the Holy Spirit. He takes us as sinners and right there on the spot, 
We can be baptized in Jesus' name, have our sins washed away. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit, have power with God, and then we enter into a holy life. God already gives us everything before he asks anything. And so in this text, if you read verses 3, 4, and 5, he says, I'm going to give you every place your foot, uh, the sole of your feet treads upon. He says, and then he, he details all the places he's going to give, them, give him. In verse 5, no man should be able to stand before thee. No opposition will prevail against you. And then as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now he's talking to the leader Joshua, but by extension he's talking to the whole people. Because Joshua can't personally conquer the whole land. God, Joshua can't personally step on all the territory. So he's saying, Joshua, you as the leader, I'm going to empower you. And through you, I'm going to pow, empower the people you will lead. And notice there are three promises. Possession, power, and presence. I'll give you the land. I'll give you power over the enemy. And my presence will be with you. And I believe we can claim those promises today for the life church. God will give us the land. God will give us Kansas City. God will give us the possession, the, the people that need to be saved. God will help us possess the city. God's power will be with us. There is no attack of the enemy that can prevail against the church. We are more than a match through any foe, not through our intellect or our ability, but through the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. No one can stand against us if we're doing the will of God. We can move forward against any opposition and overcome and achieve and possess. And the beautiful thing is, God will be with us the whole way. Even when we don't feel it, his presence will be right there. So what wonderful promises. He's promised us possession, power, and presence. Then, after the promises, comes the command, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. So I preach to Pastor Justin. Be strong and of good courage. There is a transition before you're loyally serving your father and senior pastor. Now there's a subtle switch, which it may be a transition. It may, may not be obvious, but it's happening where you're taking the lead and he's supporting you. He's there to advise, to guide. If he feels like you're getting ready to make a big mistake, he'll probably let you know in some way. But he's going to back off and let you hear from God for yourself. He's going to let you get direction. And your personality is different than his. Your style is different. There's compatibility of values and message, but there's going to be a difference of operation. And so that transition will become evident. So what you have to do, you be strong and courageous. You step up. Your, your pastor has given you opportunity and you've held back because that's what you're supposed to do. But now it's time for you to step forward with your own voice, with your own word, with your own relationship with God. Be strong, be courageous, and do the work that God has called you to do. Now I'm preaching to Pastor Justin and Sister Anna, but actually I'm preaching to all of you. You've got to be right there. When trials come, they will come. 
When opposition comes, it will come. When disappointments come, they will come. When hurts come, they will come. But you stand together with your pastor. You stand together with your bishop. You be strong. You be courageous. Don't worry. The trials will not overwhelm the church. Don't worry. Transition and change will not be fatal to the church. You just stand up and be strong. If there's something you don't understand or you don't agree with, or you're worried about, you know what? Just double down your prayers. Double down on your faithfulness. Double down on your work. And you're going to see victory. Be strong and courageous. And so God gave the word. And so now in verse 7, he's ready to give another word. And he says in verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. God says the same thing again. Why would God say the same thing again? Now, don't raise your hand, but have you ever gone to church one Sunday morning? Seemed like the message just right at you. So you think, well, surely it couldn't be. You come back the next Sunday, it's the same message and it's still to you. See, somebody's after me. Somebody talked to the pastor. You know what? Maybe God's trying to get your attention. Sometimes God repeats himself on purpose because he wants to emphasize something. So I'm going to repeat myself. Pastor Justin and by extension, all of you, be strong and very courageous. Notice the addition. Now think about this. This is a very positive message. These are wonderful promises. Exciting, positive statements. But think about it. You wouldn't have to be strong if there never was a problem, right? You wouldn't have to be courageous if there never was a fight, right? So in a very positive, nice way, God is saying, you're going to face trials. You're going to face battles. He didn't put it in a negative way, puts it in a very positive way. But Pastor Justin, without, I know this is probably just about a perfect church, but in a church this size, there are going to be problems. Even if there's none today, there will be next week. So the fact that God says be strong means you're going to face difficult situations where you have to be strong. And the fact that God says be courageous means you're going to face battles, attacks, opposition. And you're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to stand up. And so I tell every member of the church that you will face trials in your life. Even in the best church of the world, the best family in the world, you will face disappointments, hurts, pains, difficulties, obstacles. The devil will attack. But when the devil attacks, don't be discouraged. Don't be defeated. Don't be depressed. Don't give up. But be strong and be courageous. Double down on your prayer. Double down on your faithfulness. When you don't know what else to do, keep on doing what you know to do. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on worshiping. Keep on coming to church. Keep on living by faith. Keep on pursuing holiness. Just keep on keeping on. You got to be strong and courageous. And sometimes you got to be very courageous. In time of trouble, don't run away from God. Run to God. Don't run away from the church. Run to the church. Don't run away from the pastor. Run to the pastor. Sometimes we get upset. Somebody ignored us or mistreated us. Even in church it happens. 
or maybe the pastor didn't notice us or shake our hand or whatever, or we get offended, we get hurt, we get discouraged. And the mistake people make, they stop coming to church. That's exactly the wrong thing to do. When you're struggling, you need church more than ever. If you're offended or upset or hurt or discouraged or you have a stomach loss, that's when you need the pastor. That's not a time to ignore or shy away from or hide from the leadership. That's the time to seek out the leadership. Be strong. Be courageous. Be very courageous. Let me tell you a story of my family. My parents were missionaries to Korea. They were the first missionaries of the United Pentecostal Church, the country of Korea. We went in 1965 when I was a kid. And I remember the incident, and I remember my parents telling me even more about the story. But when we were starting our deputational travel, which means we were raising funds across the U.S. and Canada to go, and right at the outset, we had this terrible automobile accident where someone ran into us as a head-on collision. So my father, both of his arms were broken. The nerve in his right hand was severed. The doctor told him he'd never be able to use his right hand again. His nose was broken. My mother had a brain concussion. Her neck was broken. She came just within a hair of dying. I was in the back seat. I just had my head cut open from the front to the back. I used that to part my hair, so you don't know that. <laughs> and my little sister had a scratch. But anyway, I remember that wreck being in the car and seeing my dad stuck in there for 30 minutes. They rushed my, my mom and me to the hospital while they're still trying to extract him. And so my mom and dad spent six weeks in the hospital. My dad's, as I said, both arms are broken, so both of his arms are immobile. He couldn't feed himself, couldn't brush his teeth, couldn't do anything. So he was like that for weeks. I will tell you this to fast forward six months later, uh, in a service, God miraculously healed his right arm. He was able to go back to the doctor and shake his hand and s- surprise the doctor. But that was yet to come. So while my dad was lying in their hospital immobile, his wife, my mom, was unconscious, in and out of consciousness for six weeks. They didn't know if she's going to even live. So my dad didn't know what was going to happen. In that condition, a neighboring pastor visited my dad and said, well, Brother Bernard, God's trying to tell you, you missed his will. It's not his will for you to go to Korea. My dad, as I later heard him say, he looked at the man and said, God only has to tell me one time what to do, and I'm going to do it. God has called me to Korea. We're going. Sometimes it's not always shouting on Sunday morning with the choir singing. Sometimes you have to be strong. You might be lying flat on your back, immobile, helpless. You might not know if your spouse is going to live or die, but you got to hold on to what you know, to the word of God, the call of God, the voice of God. Sometimes you have to be courageous. Sometimes you have to be very courageous. So my parents did go to Korea. They did start the church, many churches, many ministers. They started a military fellowship So back here in the U.S., many ministers resulted, were saved or called from their ministry. I don't have time to go into all that. They came back to the U.S., started more churches, Spanish-speaking church. They started Spanish ministry for the District of Louisiana. But my dad passed away about six years ago, and at his funeral, I realized something I never fully comprehended before, because at that time, our general secretary, 
which was Brother Jerry Jones. So that's the second highest office in the headquarters office. And he wrote a letter, and this is what he said. When he was a young man in college, he was, felt a call to preach. He was struggling with it. He didn't think he was capable, so he decided to ignore that, just continue college, and uh, he wouldn't accept the, the call of God because he didn't think he could do it. He was in a missionary service where my dad was speaking. My dad shared that testimony. God only has to tell me one time what to do. I'm going to do it. And when he said that, God spoke to Brother Jones and said, how many times do I have to tell you? And that's when he accepted his call to preach. And he shared that testimony at my dad's funeral. And then it struck me full force. When my dad was 32 years old, see, Pastor Justin, you're already way beyond that. My dad was only 32 years old. When my dad was 32 years old, he had to make that life-changing decision all by himself with no support. But over 50 years later, I would argue the general superintendent's life and the general secretary's life were permanently shaped by that one decision 50 years earlier. There's no way as a young man, my dad could have had any clue that that decision will have such far-reaching consequences. He had to make it based on what he knew at the time. And who knows in the next few months and years at the Life Church of the Lord Cherry, there will be trials, there will be challenges, there will be decisions. But decisions you make this year, Pastor Justin, leadership team, ministerial team, you hear from God, you stand up, you're strong, you're courageous, you do what you know to do, you do what God calls you to do. You don't know the ramifications, you don't try to figure it out, you don't try to engineer a career or a political future, you just do what God has called you to do and be faithful, be strong and courageous. As my wife's saying, don't go back. What you know, you hold on to. You just keep on keeping on. And only eternity will reveal the significance of some of your decisions. I believe this church will grow. I believe we'll exceed all the metrics under Pastor Stan Gleason. No disrespect to him. But I believe it will continue and grow and achieve and send missionaries and have record giving and expand and send out preachers and win more souls. It's gonna happen, but somebody has got to be strong. Somebody's got to be courageous. And every once in a while, somebody's got to be very courageous. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to disciple souls? Are you willing to do what God has called you to do? Oh, praise the Lord. Moving forward in the will of God. That's what it takes. Moving forward in the will of God. Now, after that second admonition to be strong, really, if you count Moses' words, it's the third time. Must have been really important to God. Be strong and courageous. After that, God says, verse 7, now remember, you got to keep all the teachings that Moses, my servant, command commanded you. Don't turn to the right or to the left. This word shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it 
observe it. For then, this is verse eight, verse seven, verse eight. Then you'll be prosperous. Then you'll have good success. So I would tell Pastor Justin, all of you, keep the word. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. And I appreciate Pastor Bishop Stan Gleason because I think he has a clear vision. There are people that will say we're too strict. If you really want to have revival, you've got to loosen up. Well, if it's methods, if it's culture, sure, we could change. If it's musical styles, if it's leadership styles, we, there, there are times to adjust to whatever's going on in the world around you. But when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to a holy life, when it comes to fundamentals, we just gotta stay the course. Some people say you're too strict. If you loosen up, you'll have greater revival. We don't want so-called growth at all cost. We want growth that comes from God. And some people say, well, you're not strict enough. You should be more strict on people. But you can't coerce people into serving God. You have to lead by love. You have to be lead by example. You have to lead by the power of the Spirit. You can't create enough rules to make people be holier. So there's a temptation to veer off to the left. There's a, veer, a temptation to veer off to the right. Don't go either way. Just go right down the middle. Just keep going straight forward. Just keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and the call of God. Keep the word. Now, a lot of, a lot of churches have become successful, have grown big with a popular message of prosperity and success. I believe God wants to bless us, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should pray for God to supply our needs. We should pray for healing. We should pray for deliverance. We should pray for God's blessings on our business, on our family, our church, all that. But sometimes we have to sacrifice. So the, the, the preachers like to preach about success and your wonderful life and all that, prosperity. Sometimes they don't want to preach about repentance, commitment, sacrifice, holiness, denying yourself to follow Jesus, take up your cross, being a disciple. It's more than just feeling good on Sunday morning and ask God to bless your career. There's a commitment of taking up your cross. We can't take that element out. But this passage says true prosperity and true success is not found in materialism, not found in the world's definitions. It's found in obeying the word of God. If you want to be truly successful, it's not about how much money's in the bank or how big your house is or how new your car is. I'm not saying those things are wrong in their proper place. What I'm saying is true prosperity and true success is not measured by the standards of the world, but it's measured by obedience to the word of God. So I want this church to be filled to capacity. And if it is, maybe we'll have to do another service. And if so, I want that to be filled to capacity. But if people are not being disciples, then no, I'm not going to be pleased. Because I want us to keep the word of God. I don't want us to veer off to the right or to the left. But I want us to stay straight on the doctrine, straight on the gospel, straight on a holy life, straight on discipleship, straight on loving God and loving people. And then you'll be prosperous then you'll be a success. So, 
after God gave all of that word, Joshua began to speak to the people. And he especially spoke to two and a half tribes that they had already been promised land on the other side of the Jordan or the, the side of the Jordan they were on. But they had promised to continue on to the other side, keep fighting until all of Israel possessed the whole land. So Joshua knew that most of the people were going to be with him because they needed to possess the land. But he's a little concerned about the, the two and a half tribes that already had achieved, that they might not be so zealous, that they might just want to hold on to what they already had. Moses has already given it to them, so they might want to just stay in the past. Hey, the prior leader was the greatest ever. He gave us this, so what do we, else do we need? You can go charge off in the distance if you want with new vision and new projects and new achievements, but we don't need all that. We already got what we want. Just leave us alone. Now, that would never happen in the life church, but I'm just saying, I have to preach the whole message, right? I have to preach the whole chapter. I can't stop in the middle. So Joshua spoke to them and said, I want you to follow me. I know Moses gave you everything you really needed, but you made a commitment and your goal is to help the whole people, not just you. I need you to follow. I need you to keep going. And here's what the people said. It's really amazing to me. If you read verse 16 through verse 18, here's what they answered. All that you commanded, we're gonna do. Wherever you send us, we'll go. As we listen to Moses and everything, we're gonna listen to you. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. We should respect spiritual leadership and authority in our lives. But we understand no authority is absolute except God's authority. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So these people said, okay, Joshua, you're the new leader. We respect you. We will follow you just like we followed Moses. We will do everything you say just like we did to Moses. Of course, we expect you to keep following the Lord. Okay, that's fair. It's fair to say you know, Brother Stan Gleason said that he respects my leadership as general superintendent, but there, it's understood as long as I'm following the will of God. I don't expect him to support me if I, if I become unethical or I teach false doctrine or I go into sin. No, I don't expect unconditional loyalty because I only expect someone to support and follow and assist if I'm trying to follow the Lord myself. So it's interesting, they said, we are going to support you. We're going to follow the new leadership just as we followed the previous leadership. Of course, just keep following the Lord. That's all we ask. Pastor Justin, keep praying. Keep studying the word of God. Keep preaching the truth. Keep encouraging us. We'll follow you. But we've got to hear your voice. We've got to hear you preach. We've got to hear you teach. We've got to hear you rally us to following God's will. And then they said, now whoever rebels against you, We'll put him to death. Well, fortunately, we're in the New Testament times. <laughs> so we're not going to implement that part, okay? Uh, Pastor Justin, we're not going to do that, okay? We'll just leave that in the Old Testament. But that's how seriously they took it. God is gracious and merciful. We understand that. But then they ended only be strong and of a good courage. So what started with the previous leader, Moses, what was reiterated three times directly by God himself, finally was endorsed by the people. So what I get out of this is the people were saying, Joshua, 
we will follow you. Joshua, we will listen to your voice. Only just be strong and courageous. If you're strong, we'll be strong. If you're courageous, we'll be courageous. And that's the nature of people, isn't it? It's kind of hard to be strong if your leader's not strong. It's kind of hard to be courageous if your leader's not courageous. So it's a mutual pledge where the leader says, I need you to be strong and courageous. And the people say, I need you as the leader to be strong and courageous. Together, we make an agreement. We're gonna be strong together. We're gonna be courageous together. We're gonna draw our strength from the word of God and from the spirit of God. None of us is adequate, even no leader is adequate, but with God's help, with the power of the word, with the power of the spirit, yes, the leader can do a good job and the people can rally and they can likewise do a good job and they can support. There can be mutual support based on let's be strong, let's be courageous. We're not gonna go to the right, we're not gonna go to the left, but we're gonna obey the word of God. We're gonna hear the voice of God. We're gonna do the will of God and together we will stand. Together we'll be strong. Together we'll be courageous. When a church unites together under spiritual leadership, the devil cannot destroy that church. No false doctrine can destroy that church. No economic uncertainty, no social, political, racial, ethnic tensions or division can destroy that church if we unite together under the word and the spirit and we say, we will be strong, we will be courageous. Moving forward in the will of God. Let's stand together. And I'm getting ready to turn this over to Pastor Bishop Stan Gleason because we're going to have a prayer. But before I do, I want to ask you personally. As I said, I was preaching to Pastor Justin, Sister Anna, but I wasn't really just preaching to them. I was preaching to you. And I want you to think as we go into prayer what is God asking me to do? What commitment is God asking me to make? It's not about my personality, my preferences, what I want or what I need, but as a member of this church, and if you're a visitor, well, thank, we thank you for being here. And if you need to be born again, we offer that today. If you need a home church, we offer that today. But for all of you, this is home or could be home, just ask yourself, what is God asking from me? Not what, what can I get from God, there's time for that, but what commitment is God wanting me to make? It's time for me personally and for my family not to stand still, it's time of transition. That means it's opportunity to do something new. It's an opportunity to move forward. Don't just coast on the ministry of Stan Gleason. You gotta take some responsibility to move forward. What is God asking you to do? Moving forward in the will of God. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I really sense the presence of God. Just God's doing something right now. I've asked our bishop to stay close and we're gonna have a very special prayer and something's going to happen in this moment. I want uh, Pastor Justin and Sister Anna to come and stand. I would like for my wife to also come and 
I want to stand right by Pastor Justin and then our wives on either side of us. Then I want Justin and Anna's children, if they can come. Judy, I want you to come bring the kids. Just what they fuss, if they cry, just bring them up here. We want the children. Daniel and Marissa, I'd like for you to come. Caleb, just come and face the front of the church. I'm asking my sister Pam and my nieces, Chris, Sarah, and Andrea to come. I'm asking my niece Donna and Jeremy and Anthony and Megan, just come in close. I'm also now asking the board of directors that are able to be here today to come in around this family. I'm asking our pastoral staff to please come in. So we have family, we have staff. I would like for all of our licensed ministers to come in close. I know it's going to get crowded up here, but this is a more than a symbol of unity. This is, we're going to claim the promises of God. This morning as I was meditating and sitting in my office, I woke up at five o'clock. I just got up and came to the church. Bishop, I wrote some notes from that passage you preached today. And I really feel like we've heard the absolute will of God message. Now, if you're able to move forward, if you can, please fill the aisles, fill the rest of the altar area, this entire congregation. We can't go anywhere without you. We can't do anything without you. If you can't move, then at least lean forward, pray. But if you can come and join us, please do. And I'm asking Brother Bernard to lay his one hand on my head and the other hand on Justin's head. And I want something to be conferred today. This young man has poured water on my hands as Elisha did on Elijah. And if you don't think Justin is a man of God, you've got a lot to learn about this man. He walks in the Holy Ghost. He has discernment. He knows the Bible better than I do and preaches and teaches the truth. His wife and his whole family love God and we're excited to see these children develop and prosper in the kingdom. But we thank God for all of our family. We thank God for all of you. Thank you for being here today and supporting this transition. So Bishop is going to pray for us, but I want you to also pray. Would you reach your hands out to this couple that's beginning to lead this church today like never before, and let's seek the Lord together. Let's all pray together that there will be a divine impartation. Hallelujah.
the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. There is a spiritual anointing and impartation. Would you all pray collectively and especially for Pastor Justin, Sister Anna, their two children for fresh anointing, for spiritual covering and protection to help them to hear from God directly, to move forward as God speaks. Yes, touch the entire Gleason family, the ministerial team, the board of bishop, the board of elders, the leadership team, that we could all be united with one accord in the vision and mission that you place in the heart of the Life Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Let's give God thanks. We ought to rejoice. This is a historic occasion. This is more than a ceremony. This is a spiritual occasion. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Let's claim it in Jesus' name. What we prayed, let's claim. And let's make it happen in our own lives, in our own families. Let's move forward in the will of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I want you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder right now. Let's pray for the forward movement of the life church. Come on. Amen. Let's pray that God will take us where we've never been. The Lord told Joshua, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you where you've never been. You're going to see what you've never seen. Come on. This is a generational thing. Hallelujah. Come on. I need the elders to pray right now. I need the young generation to receive the blessing and the anointing right now. In the name of the Lord, the church is moving forward. The kingdom is moving forward. The work of God is moving forward. Lord, we will rise up against anything that rises up against us. Our enemies will fall before us. Giants will be defeated. Lord, we will inherit the promises of God. We will, we will conquer the giants. We will take the land. We will inherit the promises of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Let's go. Let's go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. It's time for you to drop your mantle on somebody. It's time for you to lay hands and pray a blessing. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, we praise you now. We thank you now. Lord, your presence will go with us. Your promises are ours. Lord, your presence will go with us. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, let the Holy Ghost settle this in your heart. Let the Holy Ghost settle it in your heart. 
settled with peace, settled with joy, settled with love. Hallelujah. Come on, lean into this moment right now. This is an apostolic church. This is an anointed congregation. Hallelujah. Lean into it right now. Don't miss it. Don't drift. Don't miss the moment. Come on, let your Holy Ghost lean in. Let your vision lean into this vision. In the name.
Amen. Thank you so much to Bishop and Sister Bernard for ministering to us today. Amen. Church, can we show appreciation to our superintendent, the First Lady? In the year 2006, Bishop Kenneth Haney was our general superintendent. And my father and I were at lunch that year at General Conference, and we came out of the restaurant, and walking in was Pastor David K. Bernard, also superintendent. And we just greeted each other, and we told Brother Bernard, who was going to be preaching that night, we're praying for you. And as we walked out of the restaurant, Dad said, just he would make a phenomenal general superintendent someday. And he has been. And everything the Bernards have ever put their hands on has been blessed. And those blessings, amen, trickle down upon us here at the Live Church. And I love the UPC so much. What a wonderful organization we have and that we are a part of. Today is so special for our church and I feel such a wonderful level of peace from heaven upon us here. I thank God for the message we heard in tongues last Sunday. Some very, very powerful prophetic words spoken to me from people in this church to affirm and to confirm everything that is happening. And I have been hearing so much from so many that they feel this is such a smooth transition. They've been a part of ones that didn't go so well. And I just want to thank our Bishop Stan Gleason for his idea for this and his plan for this. And it has been such a great transition and uh, I am so happy happy to serve as your pastor thank you for your vote of confidence last year thank you for all those who have helped in this transition process I want to say to our board of directors our staff all of our volunteers all the saints of this church thank you for your loyalty and thank you for your love for this city and for this church and making this church such a special place we have a phenomenal staff, a phenomenal board of directors, a phenomenal bishop, a phenomenal queen. And our church is going places. Praise the Lord. Great places. Amen. Amen. I love my wife, Anna, my daughter, Melina, sons, Cohen and Ezra, who I affectionately call Tornado and Earthquake. And to all of my family, the Gleasons, the Blazics, the Badgers, the Pollards, we love all of you so very much. And I'm just thankful for what God has in store for us. Amen. Great things are going to happen. Amen. We're going to continue to finish strong. We're going to give this city five from God. Amen. And this is going to continue to be a great house of worship right here on View High Mountain. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And there will be a day and time to preach vision and all of that. I'm going to tell you with your own eyes, you're going to see powerful things happen in that tank up there. A lot of your family is going to be in that tank soon. A lot of your friends are going to be in that tank soon. And these altars, the kingdom of heaven is going to manifest. Praise the Lord. Healings are going to happen. 
devils are going to be cast out and people are going to receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because we're the church of the living God, the real church of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this holy day and this holy moment, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Amen. For your help, Lord. I thank you, amen, for your plan, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for your will and in your way. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, during this time of transition, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we've got you always, Lord, I pray. But I pray that you would help us, Lord, amen, to stay on the same page with you always. And may your peace, Lord, be upon us, we pray. Lord, continue to keep your hand upon, Lord, our careers, Lord our marriages, our children, Lord. Let our Lord families thrive, Lord, in these last days, I pray. And let our church go forward, amen, and conquer, amen. Hallelujah, I ask you, Father, that the host of heaven partner with us always, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask, amen, amen, amen. God bless all of you before you leave. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, and say, we're going places great places with the Lord. We love you. Thank you for listening to this message. 